0: The Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast is proudly supported by Red Energy, awarded Australia's most trusted energy provider by CanStar three times. Maybe it's time you switch to Red. And for Prince Wine Store, Bank Street, South Melbourne, and delivering Australia wide, PrinceWinestore.com.au. Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. Hi everybody, welcome to Don't Shoot the Messenger. I'm Corrie Perkin and this is episode 262 of our little podcast and I'm here as I am each week, except when she's travelling around the world or indeed to Adelaide, Caroline Wilson. How's the Adelaide accent going, Caro?
1: You know I can't do an Adelaide accent, but I am in love with Adelaide and I've always loved Adelaide, as you know, Corrie. It is a great city.
0: We're going to talk about Adelaide in a minute and I'd say the Adelaide accent with affection because all my Adelaide friends know that I do a really lousy impersonation and they think it's fabulous As I think it's quite insulting Corrie, as, as, No, of... it's, a, it's an actual thing Carol. as an academic once told me you know, I did a story on the Adelaide accent they said it's crossing the Victorian border like a cane toad. So we'll all be speaking like that soon. But it sounds like it was a wonderful weekend in beautiful Adelaide, and I hope everybody had a great time more on that and Caro's visit there in a little while. Next week, we can now say next week is the Sorrento Writers Festival. Woohoo! Uh, how are the nerves, Corrie? Oh, well, you know, just a bit fragile. Um, but, I've, got a, um, I've got
1: some questions about that, just very quickly. And we're going to... I'll, I'll, I, wonder, I just want to talk about... I just, yeah, we'll talk about the live event in a second. Yeah, go. You've sold out a lot of events. We have. And um, it, I can't tell you how many people I ran into in Adelaide who are podcast listeners, which was very gratifying. Um But um, including one at the um, McGill Estate launch and she took a photo of us both, which was terrible of me but lovely of her. I thought
0: it was a lovely photo of you both and I think Miss Jane will put it up on our Instagram account during
1: the week. My dress was unironed because I'd arrived so late. Long story, my plane was late. Corrie, which events, if, you know, there are some events that leap out at me, like the one about Tasmania, um, the one about the sea, the crime one – Romantic fiction in in the Me Too era. But is is there any that people can still get tickets to?
0: Oh, all of those you can still get tickets to,
1: Cara. The ones
0: that have have booked out are uh, The Voice to Parliament, which was particularly affirming that booked out in a couple of days because there was a bit of a feeling a few months ago, oh, this this wouldn't work. Um, And your Talking Footy Night with Mike Sheehan and Eddie Maguire and Sam Lane, that has booked out, the conversation between Neil Baum and Anson Cameron that is hotting up but there are still plenty of seats to that on the Saturday afternoon if people are interested in a bit of a footy spotted session. spotted Neil
1: Baum with a former South Australian Premier last um, Thursday night at a bit of a Norwood reunion and Craig Kelly was there too. I can't wait to hear what reparates you've <laughs> picked up over the
0: over the four days in Adelaide. Uh, look there are still many things if you go on to au, and um, you'll see things there. The, the lunch on the Friday, with Nick, which is a political lunch with Nick, Nikki Sava, um, Patty Manning, and Dr. Chris Wallace. Uh, that has booked out, but there are still so many wonderful things. Is that things. the one with Barry Cassidy hosting? Yes, that's with Barry Cassidy. Barry's hosting a few interesting Barry Barry's months. busy. Barry is busy, and he's very happy to be busy. And in fact, he, he um, really was very keen. I was going to do... Oh, there was a long story about the... Um, The Chant of Jimmy Blacksmith, 50 years since the novel, which Tom Keneally wrote, 45 years since Fred Skepsy's film. And, of course, we have a fabulous in-conversation between Tom Keneally and Fred Skepsi, which is an amazing session. Barry was very, very keen to do that. And so so Heather, his wife, Heather Hewitt, and I just actually put him down for it without asking him, but I gather he's pretty happy about it. That's a session that is selling, starting to sell and move. There's a very interesting one. I think people in this writing or media marketing space, even students actually should keep in mind, on Sunday afternoon... We have a thing called Chat GPT. How does it change the way we write and will it change the way we read? Fantastic panel there of experts and also writers. Have a look at that one. And Craig Sylvie of Jasper Jones fame was doing one In Conversation, Carrot That sold out within a few days. He has agreed to do a second In Conversation on the Sunday afternoon. So those tickets will be coming online soon. Lots to do and, of course, kicking it off is don't shoot the messenger on the Wednesday night. So we're very excited to be doing our live event at the Sorrento RSL and tickets are on the show notes. I think we start at five o'clock, five till seven. Come and have a drink. Carol and I will be there with a couple of our usual guests, such as Anna from the Op Shop. Maybe a writer or two might wander in, but that's Wednesday the 26th
1: of April. The last uh, big performer at Sorrento RSL was Russell Morris, my father went last week, and Russell Morris is now being funded, being supported to do um, a performance with um, an orchestra, oh. a symphony orchestra at the, the, op- thi- the at thing? the opera house. Well, no, not well. The many things, many oh. songs, a, a lot of his blues stuff. Uh, um, no, it's going to be unbelievable, and this I think some private. Um, entrepreneur has funded the entire thing. Anyway. Oh, how
0: fantastic. I can't
1: promise the real thing, but you and I will be there, Corrie, we, we are the real thing. With Anna thing. from the op shop. We are the real thing. And a few thing. other guests. I hope we'll have a few other guests there. Miss Jane will be there.
0: It'll be really doing fun. Her,
1: doing her thing as always.
0: And another opportunity for us to, to meet our potties and um, all of us to have a lovely time together. So just um, just have a look at the show notes
1: for the uh, the link to buy a ticket. Is it $45? I think it's forty five dollars to come along. Blankly, I think Light it is finger food and a drink and us. And us. What more do you want? And then a bar a pretty reasonable bar, I've got to say.
0: Uh the, the Sorrento RSL is a fabulous place and um, it it, uh, it is the home of the former Tomcats. For anybody who was born in the 60s, you will remember the Tomcats. Caro, we have to, of course, acknowledge our show sponsors, Red Energy, awarded Australia's most trusted energy providers by CanStar three times. Not one, not twice, but three times. And, of course, Prince Wine Store. And Miles will be here a little later to pick up on the Adelaide theme. He's going to talk about some beautiful um, southern South Australian wines. So that will be fabulous fabulous as well. Now we have on our show notes here that our poddies can't see, but we will put this photograph up from John O'Dea. He made the quince tart. Look at that photo. John O'Dea
1: is the husband of Kath O'Dowd, who I mentioned, you know, it was her quince tart recipe that was my favourite of all the recipes I received a few years ago. Doesn't it look beautiful with a lattice crust um, Absolutely wonderful. I suspect it was, I reckon Kath would have made it and it would have been an Easter treat. Well,
0: we're going to inspire potties. We're going to put it on our Instagram account as well. And we have a lovely email from Yvette. Hi, Yvette. And she says, thanks for the recommendations of The Dry and Mayflies. I really enjoyed them both, although Mayflies was absolutely heartbreaking. I thought Corrie would be horrified to hear you recommend a Natasha Lester novel. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> Why? Because you're so highbrow and I'm so lowbrow.
0: <laughs> I had also read The Riviera House and found it fascinating. I'm a fan of Natasha Lester and often read one of her books after a heavy, a few heavy-going books. And look, Yvette, I know what you mean. I, you know, I, I, I absolutely get what you mean about that. If you had three or four in a row book of prize winners or something, you do need a bit of um, a change of pace, I agree. Yvette continues, it's nice to then have an easy read and I always learn something thanks to the tips. Absolutely love the podcast.
1: Um, it was actually mum who lent me the Riviera house and she enjoyed it too. She, you know, She said it's a bit of a soap opera, but the story is amazing. And she was raving about a book that you Did you give her for Christmas? Mm. And she's been meaning to write to you. for. I, know. I don't know if she did finally write to oh, you. She told
0: me in the local food shop the other day that, darling, I have to write you a letter. And I said, you don't. You've told me about three times, Jewel, how much you've loved the book, and that's enough for me. What was the book? It's a book on Chatsworth House, the home of uh, the Duchess of Devonshire, um, now she departed. She loved it. Well, the, the old one that we know, Debo. Debo. Yeah, one of the Mitford um, sisters. Yeah, but it's a really beautiful hardcover book. And it just, for me, it just had your mum written all over it. And I know that she had a little bit of a, um, a health issue at the end of last year and we missed her for our Christmas breakup. And um, I was just thinking that it would be nice to give her that book and I'm so glad she's enjoying it.
1: Well, you know, she, she, there are some books about the Mitfords and these sort of books that she'll go, oh, no, no, that's, you know, trash. But she just raved about Well, your sister one.
0: Moggs told me that she has it she actually has it opened on a, on a side table at her favourite picture. I'm a huge fan of that, character, because as you know, I always think beautiful books are works of art. I often have them on a stand at home highlighting a page or highlighting a cover. Um, apparently your mum's doing the same thing, so that was really affirming to hear. Let's go to Adelaide. Let's gather round.
1: <laughs> we all bagged the title when it came out, and I, I, I did say to someone, I bet by the time it happens, we'll all be enjoying it. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, a, there, there's a
0: touch of the kumbaya about it, but that's okay. Yeah,
1: and there was a touch of a kumbaya about the whole event. I've got to tell you, Corey. So tell us
0: everything. Well, tell, give us the background first off, Cara, because you mentioned a couple of weeks ago that the uh, the South Australian Premier was seen lurking around, um, lobbying hard around Grand Final week, clearly with great
1: success. Clearly with great success. He um, he really worked every influential person I think in football to get this, he obviously also fronted up with a huge amount of money and it has been so successful that now the AFL have done a deal with the South Australian government for the next three years. There is some cynicism about that. I mean, Gillan McLaughlin's on the way out. He's an Adelaide boy. It was a bit of a school reunion, I've got to say, for a lot of those um, Adelaide boys who work in senior roles in the AFL. Tom Harley was another one. Gillan McLaughlin, who's obviously a St Peter's boy. Some of the teams had their clubs you know I think the Swans trained at St. Peter's, where Tom Harley, the CEO, also went. But um look, and the deal I think with the South Australian Premier for the next three years, which will come in an election year, so good move for him, is close to a hundred million dollars investment into football, like some of that will go to the AFL. Probably half that will go to the AFL and the other half, I would estimate, will go towards infrastructure. So they're going to put money into, a, a new venue for Gather Round, which will be either in the Barossa Valley or McLaren Vale. It look, it was the, the things that worked well. Adelaide Oval, as you you know, I've been raving to about this place for however long it's been open now, I think about nine or ten years. It's changed footy. It's changed the city of Adelaide. It's brilliant. The walk over the bridge is phenomenal. There was a zipper line from the sort of theme park area on the other side of the river, the Torrens, where you get into this harness and you were zippered across the river. <laughs> Did you do that? No, Corrie, I didn't do the zipper line. I did suggest to my husband, Brendan, he give it a go. I would have loved that. So like a flying fox. Yeah, exactly like a flying fox. Oh,
0: I love a flying fox. Remember <laughs> we used to have one in our, years I, ago in our front garden. I do. And how when, much in, an, did the in kids' an old love it? life when I
1: had a big front yard. How much did the kids love that? No, look, um, there were, it was unlike the NRL version, which happens in Queensland in Brisbane, this is a very much a family thing. And it's not just all at the one ground like the NRL Magic Ground is. It's um, six games at the Adelaide Oval over 4 days, two games at the old Norwood Oval which is beautiful and one game in the Adelaide Hills. Had lunch in the Adelaide Hills one day. Oh, it's such a beautiful spot. Um anyway, Miss Jane's nodding away, our little Adelodian over there. Look come um, How's your Adelaide accent, Jane? Can you do one?
0: Corey, it's wonderful when you dance and go to school.
1: <laughs> it was it was just We're only having fun everybody from Adelaide. Oh, we love you. I've got to say not everyone Adelaide speaks like that. Like there's some pretty interesting parts <laughs> of town. Um, Brendan and your son, my godson, caught up for a coffee um on one morning of Gather Round. No, oh, my, my son Will had a great gather round. Well, I'm together. sure he did because his <laughs> the bombers had a great win too. That's right. So did Brendan have a great time. Tiger supporters, not so much. But look, I won't lie, the media were completely schmoozed. Completely schmoozed. There was a lunch one day at Sky City, this gorgeous rooftop venue for senior media with the premier. Of um, South Australia and a lot of other AFL types and political types, and you know, at the end of it all, they, they were telling us about all the great tourist attractions in South Australia. I said virtually opposite the premier. I did ask him about the Riders Festival and that little controversy that, and he you know admitted that had been a difficult time.
0: Can I can I ask a really um, girly um, year eleven okay. question? Is he as good looking in public as he is on
1: the television? That's, that's um. That's a pretty girly question. No, look, he, no, he, he's he, he's he's a charismatic person. I tell you, who's good looking? His wife Annabelle is an absolute, is. She I know. Had,
0: I remember her she, from the speeches of, of when he won the election.
1: She had gorgeous. the most beautiful dress on at the McGill. So, first it was Wednesday night at the McGill Estate. That was the most probably the best meal I've ever eaten. Oh lord! Ah none. And, you know, there was beautiful wines and grain hermitages and it was quite funny, some AFL CEOs don't drink, so the ones who did were saying, oh, we'll share your grain. And and then the next day at this lunch with the Premier, um, all the media were urged to enjoy the South Australian wines and take home a bottle from the function. So you can imagine... I admit it, I, t- I took a bottle. You know, it was... You ju- were schmoozed. It was just... And, you know, Greg Baum, my colleague at The Age is right, there were people raving about the event before it had even started. So that was a bit over the top. But as a family-friendly Easter, post-Easter, ho- school, school holiday holidays. Thing, yeah, thing... It was just wonderful. I mean, I ran into this gorgeous Tasmanian family up in the Adelaide Hills. They didn't even know about Gather Round. They were just there on holidays. They're St Kilda supporters. They live in Launceston. They were trying to get tickets. That was a bit of a problem because some some days there were two games in a row at the Adelaide Oval and not everyone could get tickets because you had tickets to the whole day, but some people just left and you know, you couldn't get the second ticket. So that, that'll that be worked out. They need to do something for women's footy next year when they have it again. And there is a view that it should be in a place where footy needs to really sell itself, not a heartland city. But it just works so well in a heartland city. Numbers are down, participation-wise in South Australia. Not many, as many kids are being drafted from there. So this will re-energise the was, whole was um, I
0: was horrified to hear in the last 24 hours the fact that the AFL decided without consulting any of the... Any of their um, their club presidents or their club well that that actually um, is not right. Oh, They okay. actually did. They, oh, they, okay. There was the a...
1: story was that they hadn't consulted when they went for the three year deal. No, well, what it is true. There was a CEO's meeting on Friday, and it it wasn't it didn't come up. I mean, I think Gillan McLaughlin might have said to them, you know, my gut feel is we should come here again, but that was as far as it went. But before the deal was announced, he called pretty much every club. But I mean, the deal had already been done by then. I think they also went to the South Australia, the West Australian, and New South Wales governments. I don't think the money was quite there. There's just been an election in New South Wales. It wouldn't. It would be a different thing in Sydney. I mean, you'd have to. The venues would be different. The Easter show makes it complicated for Western Sydney. So look.
0: So sort of based on the figures that were going around, and you guys talked with Greg Baum yesterday on your Real Footy podcast, it would seem to me unless I've got my numbers wrong, that each club has received about $750,000 for this. Correct, and most and, of that going to the players. Yeah, and, uh, and, they're, and, the, and they're being asked to play an extra get round, of, official round of footy for the season. So, so that's more an media pressure. money. Yep. Um, what were the facilities like for the players? It's a big sacrifice for the players. I know they are being receiving an extra payment, but it's a big hiccup in a way, particularly particularly if you're um, one of the Western Australian teams, but um, how how did that kind of go down with the players and were the facilities appropriate and, and, and of the standard, training and accommodation? Well, someone at the AFL told me
1: that Essendon had complained about their facilities. I don't know if that's right. Um, I certainly didn't. Um, your Will didn't mention it when we caught up. He seemed pretty happy. But I was told that Essendon weren't happy, the footy department weren't happy, Um I don't think that was really a problem. What
0: about what about the teams that were playing at the Adelaide Oval did they have to share training facilities or anything like well, that? Well, no, I don't
1: or? I don't think that was a problem. I mean, Essendon for example, do their captains run in Melbourne because they live so close to Tullamarine and then they fly in that night and then they play the next day. It didn't didn't certainly didn't affect their form. Mm. There's enough all the teams that were booked into hotels and of course because it was spanned over 4 days. Carlton, for example, would have left.
0: Mm, yeah, would have left China, after yeah. uh,
1: left on the Friday. Yeah. I think some of them went on little trips. Some of them went to the zoos. Some went to wineries. You know, some clubs made a bit of a time of it. So, do you
0: think the players are happy?
1: More money. Um, Lee Matthews pointed out it's not fair that the two South Australian teams get an extra home game. I think that's churlish, and I think it's that sort of attitude that saw the AFL lose state of origin because the coaches were so precious. I mean, you know, Victoria gets to, gets to host the grand final every year. And for teams like Richmond and Collingwood, you know, they play not only all their home games or most of them at the MCG, but a lot of their away games too. So I don't have such an issue with that. I understand your point about the Perth clubs but and Fremantle, but, you know, Adelaide's as, as good a trip for them as any. I mm. mean, it's closer than anywhere else they have to go. So I don't think that really is going to be a massive issue because of the money that's coming into the game. And committing for
0: three years. Do you agree with that?
1: Look, I I do. I I think that I love the idea of selling it in another state and I think that will be great one day, but do something else for football in New South Wales where they have dropped the ball. This has been one area the AFL have failed. They haven't really enhanced the product Mm. in New South Wales at all. In fact, numbers are down and the NRL is growing in proportionate popularity to the AFL. So they need to do something there, but I'm not sure the gather round concept would work. They need to fix your better games there. They've never really worked out how to sell the game properly and they've never really put, since Dave Matthews was sent up there and then very quickly became CEO of GWS, they've never really had a senior person but
0: Cara, you running and I, the game up there. You and I know from our own experiences in covering these things that the best parties are the ones in kitchens. So the best festivals are the ones in small cities and small towns. And... If you did have a gather round in Sydney, and I was thinking about this on the weekend when there was that charming, was it the Norwood Oval? I can't remember, yep. but it was really sweet. And I thought, gosh, you just couldn't do this in Sydney, apart from the fact that, oh, where are the football grounds in Sydney? But it would be really sprawling. It would There would be no sense of gathering around. It would be just teams kind of coming
1: in, performing, and then heading to the airport and going home. Look, you're right. And, I mean, you're about to launch a festival. I mean, I must say I love a festival.
2: I have oh, a road so trip.
1: Yeah, you know, I've always wanted to go to Spoleto. Oh, oh yes, I, I've I've big been to Spoleto. Big
0: on my tr- big big on, on the Spoleto
1: Festival and the never, Edinburgh. Have you ever been to Edinburgh Festival? No, never been no, to that both one on either. My bucket list. But but I, I've I've been to quite a few festivals and up. Uh, you know, the Port Fairy Folk Festival is one of the best weekends I think I've ever had. You know, that's so enjoyable. Queenscliff do a mm. great one as well. Byron
0: Writers Festival.
1: Yep. Um. And 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 look, you know. Anna Anna from the op shop goes has been several times to WOMAD, mm. which is also in Adelaide, and raves about that. So look, I think the Adelaide is and you know, they, they went for live golf as well. The controversial live golf. They got both events. That starts this week at the Grange, the golf course there, and all the big names from the Live Golf Circuit, including Cam Smith, are there now. So look, it's a big few weeks for Adelaide on the back of the Riders Festival and, of course, WOMAD. It's just extraordinary. What
0: did the Premier say to you about the Writers' Festival controversy?
1: Look, he said in the end, and, you know, he, he mentioned his background is obviously one that um, means that he's pretty disgusted by what's going on in Russia at the moment. But in the end, it was all about free speech and mm. you can't really gag people. Mm. But I, I think it was a difficult, you know, it was a difficult issue for him. And um, well, It's good they,
0: they're good they backed their festival
1: director. Far more difficult than the gather round, which was a stunning <laughs> success. I mean, I think they fudged some of the numbers and I think there'll be clubs who bitch and moan a bit. But in the end, I think its it's just a great, fun celebration for the game at a time when all your teams are still... Every one of us, even Hawthorne, can we make the think finals we're, yeah, mathematically. Well, we well,
0: don't. Well, yeah, I know, but we don't have a whole... But you're right, absolutely, everybody still feels they have skin in the game. Caro, before we get Miles in to talk Adelaide Wines, just what news of Gillan McLaughlin's um, successor, Kylie Watson-Wheeler... Correct. ...has been mentioned a few times over the weekend?
1: Yeah, she's certainly... She's always been in there, even though she denied it for a long time that she was doing... going through the process... My view is that Andrew Dillon will get it. It's been a, it, Look, it's been an absolute mess. It's been the most unprofessional process. Clubs have had a gutful. It's taken far too long, partly because the, the commission and Richard Goyder has reveres Gillan McLaughlin to such an extent he doesn't want him to go. And I think Gillan McLaughlin, you know, said he was going and then probably regretted it a bit and is finding it difficult to leave and, you know, maybe in fact has thought about staying... I think he will go in the next few months. I think he will get Tasmania over the line and that will be a great, great achievement. He'll leave some other big problems for his successor who, in my view, will be Andrew Dillon. I, I'm, I am disgusted by the treatment of some of the other candidates and really tough for Kylie Watson-Wheeler now if she doesn't get it, that she mm. was thrown up. Yeah,
0: just been... All weekend it was her, her, her. What well, You the, mentioned the Tom chairman. Harley before. Do you know whether Tom Harley went for the gig?
1: He did and he, he's he's out of it now. Which staggers me that he would be told no by now, and Kylie Watson Wheeler would still be in it. That's nothing against Kylie Watson Wheeler. It's more that I think Tom Harley will be an outstanding candidate one day, and I'm surprised he didn't get further in the process. And um, I'm I'm just staggered. You know, there's been some 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 briefing against Brendan Gale that has just been extraordinarily unfair. And and so inaccurate mm. you know he, he's a revered character in clubland and in the game and for some reason the commission haven't put i, I don't think he even though he, he hasn't been told as we sit here today on a tuesday morning that he's out of it i think he and travis old and kylie rogers are out of it and i think that andrew Dillon will get it who's a long time a... afl legal counsel and now football boss it's just
0: a bit of a shame with it because brendan gale could have just been a breath of fresh air bringing somebody from outside the AFL into the role, I know there are a couple of former commissioners who are very keen to get him, get him over the line. Um, but anyway, Andrew Dillon could be it.
1: Kylie Watson Wheeler. Um, it was an unu- is an unusual candidate and championed by the chairman. So if he doesn't get his way, it'll be interesting to see. Oh, I've, I've said this on Footy Classified. I've never seen a time when an AFL chairman has been so his performance has been so criticised roundly criticised by so many clubs and broadcasters.
0: Mm, Interesting. Okay, well, on that um, sobering note, we might not be sober with Miles, who's going to bring in a little pack of Adelaide wines. And a cocktail cabinet has arrived in the room and Miles is sitting on top of it with a nice selection of Adelaide Hills wines. Miles,
1: jump off the trolley and tell us what you've got there.
2: Um, so this is to sell, cause you were just over there. I was, I alone? got, yeah. I was.
1: And in fact, I had a lovely lunch at the, um, in the Adelaide Hills at a place at Norton Summit called the Scenic Hotel, oh, okay. um, where the guy in the front bar was a footy fan and insisted on giving us a very nice free dessert, free pudding. <laughs> Yay. You, you have been just.
0: You, you're corrupt now, aren't you? <laughs> you just, no, she, she was saying earlier. Anything. I had to. Carol up, was saying earlier, Miles, that she went to a football function at the, where lovely South Australian wines were served, and at the end of the function. At which the premier was host, I guess. Yep. Um, th- they were all told that they were welcome to take a bottle home, and of course she did. Excellent. Cash for comment. After after Absolutely. we'd after
1: we'd sampled Kangaroo Island gin and the most incredible Coffin Bay oysters, prawns, wago. I mean, oh, wow. no, really, uh, it's been a, it's been a bit pretty disgraceful. <laughs> I, I did take home a lovely Viognier, and, at, oh, and okay. in the Adelaide Hills, we had a lovely wine as well. I'll quickly mention <laughs> this restaurant: R K A R K H E mm. or Ark. In near, quite near the Norwood Oval, Pro, again in Adelaide, extraordinary, a great meal. If you even, if you're in Adelaide, go. It's a big ticket item, but it's fabulous.
2: Uh, our wholesale guy is over there quite often. It's a very good market for us, and uh, really, he always has a great time. And there's always awesome. He always comes back raving about the food and restaurants and bar scene. And yeah, it he, is. He loves it's pretty, it. It's pretty amazing. Where did yeah. you
0: go for your anniversary? Okay. Oh, that was where you went. Yeah.
2: All right, well, I picked I picked three wines. I can go through them pretty quick, so we don't spend too much time. But I thought a, a little cheeky white, which is a, a wine called Pratero, and it's a blend. It's an interesting blend, actually, in some ways. It's a it's a Pinot, Gris, Pinot Grigio, whatever. Yeah. Um, Pinot Blanc, and Pinot Nero, or Pinot Noir, really. Pinot Nero is what they call it in Italy. So it's a white wine, though. Lovely, sort of pretty aromatics. I've talked about those white blends before. Lovely, sort of pretty aromatics, kind of. A bit sort of riesling light, but a little bit sort of fleshier and softer. Lovely, clean fruit. You know, there's no work on it or anything like that. Really, like, zip, zippy style, but lovely, fresh, fresh kind of plush fruit on it as well. So oh, really easy yum. drinking. Yeah, really fantastic little wine.
0: I wonder how that would um, go with your quince tart, Caro.
2: Mm,
1: Sounds like it would go it's quite probably, well, Corrie.
2: Probably a bit too dry. Is it? Yeah, it's it's a dry wine, so nice for seafood. Is it pre pre lunch. Yeah, good be seafood, or yeah, absolutely pre lunch.
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> why not anytime? Um, really.
1: pretero and that's Pratero, from the Adelaide yeah, Hills. Adelaide
2: Hills. So it's Stephen Pennell, So um, it's this little sort of I don't know I don't know what you call it. I'll get it wrong here, but it's like a sub brand of he has his SC Pinnell wines, and this is this little set of I think mainly Adelaide Hills wines. I
0: love the idea of the three Pinot a few grapes. Others as in well. it too. Yeah,
2: really interesting, really well done. He's a very, very talented winemaker, very clever. Um, but yeah, just good, easy drinking. And I think it's, uh, what is it, $30 Great. on the shelf, so not too expensive. We can get that at Prince Wine Store? Absolutely. And what about the sparkling? So the sparkling Deosa, D A O S A, Deosa. Mm. Uh, we've been a big fan of this for a while, and you know, Adelaide Hills is 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 cooler. It's probably still considered warm, but you know, it's made a lot of sparkling. You know, Crozer, Brian Crozer making sparkling wines. They're obviously quite well known. Um, we so, often have
0: a Crozer when we play Scrabble.
2: Yeah, a yeah. sparkling. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it it does sparkling well, and these Deosas are excellent. I think forty two. Uh, it's about no forty eight dollars. I think on the shelf. Yeah. Um, it's a non vintage. Um, and their vintage is very good too, but really fantastic sparkling wines. Just crunchy, and again, but a little bit of bit of flesh and punch to it as well. So a bit of generosity, which uh, which is kind of nice. You know, it's from that warmer sort of Adelaide fruit, I guess. Um, but really good. We are big, big fans of this sparkling. Like Bang for Bark, it's it's fantastic.
0: Great, and the third one.
2: And the third one is the Commune of Buttons. The what? Commune of Buttons. What uh, a great I think it's name, Milos. My, that's Syrah, a, really, Mylor Syrah.
0: That, it's a really good. Commune of r- buttons. Yeah, it's a really it's good. It's cool. um, if you're doing charades on wine. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, great, great la- Commun- Really cool labels. Options. They're kind of on that. I guess I'd call it that sort of minimal intervention side of wines. You know, they don't like to do much to their wines. They they they're very sort of minimal in the way they treat them, but very very well done. They're quite well known for their range of pinos. Um, and this is the second vintage that they've done. It's a single You mean
0: pin and noir yeah. and noir, yeah. sorry.
2: Yep. This is the second vintage that they've done. And it's a single vineyard.
1: And this in is the also Adelaide Hills. In the Adelaide Hills. Yeah,
2: and this is this is Syrah. So this is a really like soft, I kind love of supple Syrah. Syrah. I love really Syrah. spicy. Yeah. And it's not the you know, it's not that big sort of Barossa sort of style or that kind of liqueur sort of McLaren. It's got a bit more sort of soft, sweet spice, really lovely kind of small sort of black fruit and bit of kind of wild sort of herb thing going on. Really in that sort of midweight style, even a little bit sort of lighter than that. So quite fresh, quite crunchy. So nice autumn wine. How um, much is that? How that. much is the and community? That buttons. is forty two dollars.
1: Wow. Yeah, this I think is that's a really good and selection. I think it's on
2: poor at Bullota too. So Right okay. Potties want to go in and try yeah. before you buy. Yeah,
0: well do you know, do, you can do everybody. That too. Go and have a meal <laughs> and try it at Paulotta and then mm. and then go next door and order you dozen bottles of Commune of Buttons.
2: Yeah, really, really cool.
0: I we, wouldn't mind a Commune of Buttons in my cellar, it sounds like. That's perfect for me. Yep, I,
1: wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind a group um, wine tour around the Adelaide Hills. I
2: mean,
1: <gasps> wouldn't it be tour. fun? I mean, it's so close to Adelaide. We have like so many
2: wine tours to line up. It's
1: only about like okay. half an hour out of Adelaide, isn't okay. it? It's, it's so, amazing
2: when you get to Adelaide and, and you kind of think. It, so here's we the idea. To, All right, here's yeah,
1: the idea. Let's fantastic. float this.
0: If you would like, if you would be interested in coming on a wine tour after the footy season with Caro, led by Miles, Miss Jane singing up the front of the bus, and myself, can you let Wheels us know? And if we get a quorum of 30 or something, we might be able to do it. That would be so much fun. But the point is... You're probably fun. going to Amsterdam or somewhere.
1: Right? None of none of these places. Greece or I mean, Paris even, or something, Caro. Even the Barossa, you drive to the Barossa, you know, the closest part in under an hour, don't you, Miss Jane? And same with, you know, that beautiful this, the Port Wallanga and then the extension of the Fleury Peninsula. It's not like driving to even, Sorrento. Like, uh, it's much closer. Even
2: McLaren Vale close. Fantastic. Yeah. Not as close, but so yeah. Miles is Pretty from amazing, Prince Wine yeah. Store
0: Potties. You can jump online at princewinestore.com.au for the Deosa, which is the sparkling. Uh, Miles is giving it away at forty-eight dollars. <laughs> well, the... no, Potties get a discount on that oh, too. Oh, and your discount too. Yeah, oh, okay, right. and the discount and the cheeky white, the Pratero, is thirty dollars. So that's the one with the three Pinot uh, grapes in it, and the Commune of Buttons, forty-two dollars. What a great bunch that is!
2: Yeah, really cool little set of wines. It is a
0: really good little group. I yeah. think I might have to investigate that little yeah, group. Yeah, they're
2: all good. I actually have a feeling the Pratera might be on, on too. Finally, oh, there you so go. You can um, do both of you guys? So,
0: well, Miles, just uh, mm. putting you on notice for next week sure. because we'll be down at Sorrento, and yes. we know that there are lots of. Um, I mean, the Mornington Peninsula is vast and there are many wineries, but perhaps you can think about this, the locale around Down maybe that, that 20, way. 20 kilometre or 30 kilometre radius. That yeah, would be great. Let's get on
2: Google Maps and
0: see what you can come <laughs> up with. See
2: what's there. <laughs> My geography is not great, so but yeah, I mean there should be a bunch of things down. Mornington
1: Peninsula wines.
2: Well, you know what I'm just Morington's saying. Easy, I'm saying it's
0: vast because the, the the saddle and the ridge, you know, Red Hill, and it goes through to everything. Yeah, all the Merrick's way down everything. to. But Bonder that, I mean, it is vast. But if Miles brought it back to kind of this side of like Main Ridge and through the valley there, and of course there's the Portsea Estate. Yeah. Maybe there are some things you can talk about there. Yeah, through Main
2: out. Ridge, there's some great wines. Yeah. Through Main ridge, yeah. So, yeah. Some real classic, Fabulous. Mornington. Yeah, that's thank, thank you,
0: thank you, Miles Thompson from Prince Wine Store. We'll see you next week. See you then, Caro. Time for BSF, presented as it is each week by Red Energy, and you and I talk about all things books, screen, and food. And you're going to kick us off with a book, not a new book, but a new book that you've read.
1: No, well, it was given to me when I... It's called um, The Driver's Seat and it's 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 a small book. It's a novella by the great Muriel Spark who, of course, wrote The Prime of Miss Jean Brodie, mm-hmm. who um, was born in Scotland and died in Italy, I think in Florence, in fact, a few years ago now. She is a fascinating woman, a fascinating writer, first novel not published until she was in her early 40s.
0: She was a real victim of sexism.
1: Yep, um, a single mother who um, came into writing or, in fact, publishing novels after she suffered a nervous breakdown, had written for various book reviews and had been part of the London literary scene. Look, this is been described as a metaphysical horror. It's, um, it's, a, God, it's, a, really? it's a really disturbing book, but it's a great book. And What's it's, it called? It's called The Driver's Seat. Um, it was actually made into a film, a bizarre film, which starred Elizabeth Taylor and Andy Warhol, of all people, back in really? 1973. Why have
0: I never heard
1: this? Set in Rome. It was the film was called Identicate. But this is about a woman called Lise, and you only know her by her first name. She's sort of described you feel as though she's middle-aged, but at one point, you know, you realise that she's aged between her late 20s and mid-30s. He basically sets out to die at the start of the book. And you know from very early on in the book that he in fact will be murdered. Right. Um she goes on a trip, he's works for a bo- she works in a boring town for a boring company, she doesn't have many friends, and she sets off to change her life and travel. Travel to another part of the world. In in the film she goes from, I think, Germany to Rome, but it's slightly different in the book. The book starts with her choosing a gaudy, outrageous dress, something she would never normally wear. But when she finds out it's stain-proof, she goes crazy because she doesn't want a dress that is stain-proof. She doesn't want... She, she wants what? what happens to her to be... Oh, to be documented. Yep. Yeah. It involves... Um, a a... Does she know
0: who did you say does she know who a murderer is?
1: Well, she goes out to find her murderer and she meets a man on the plane called Bill. Bill is a convicted rapist who's trying to go straight. And it's basically Lise through the eyes of everyone else, through the eyes of the people she works with, through the police, through a neighbor, through Bill. Through someone else who sits near her on the plane but who moves because she's so so disturbed by Lise and what she's about. This is a very, very strange novel. Is Lise a victim or is she, in fact... Stirring the pot. It, it's just an extraordinary is she novel. Is the protagonist of um, her I own death? I don't know if you've read any novels by Muriel Spike. I have.
0: Only a couple, Prime of Miss Jean Brodie and another one with... In the same sort of vintage classic as you've, you have there, it has an incredible cover on it, but I can't remember what it is.
1: Well, I because I redid my bookshelves, as you know, quite recently and mm, went out of the... I'm not sure that it works. Some are still colour-coded and some no, are you have but, ditched the colour-coding. Well, it it's meant that I've put all my books into the right order and I've found, you know, some books that I never read. I did a thing for Marika Hardy a few years ago called Women of Letters. I think you might mm. remember that. And this is what they gave me. And I never read it. I just put it in the bookshelf or chucked it somewhere. Because you get so much booty. Well, oh, the Adelaide wine. Well, well I mean, fair the enough. Muriel Spark it was book. quite a lot of work to do the women of letters. I, I think the least they could do was give me a nice book, which they did. <laughs> Gee, give me a break. Anyway, look, there's a an, an fascinating forward about Muriel Spark by John Lanchester. He found religion later in life, first um, Catholicism, and then. Protestant, or maybe the other way around. She's a fascinating you, woman.
0: I, I, she is fascinating. And ended and, her days and,
1: in Italy with well, a, a you, younger art student. She met I in did Rome. know that,
0: Pete, but I didn't know about the Depression or, or the uh, other things that you've mentioned there. Have you ever seen a really good um, biography of Muriel Spark? She sounds like she'd be a perfect candidate.
1: Well, I think there's a great autobiography.
0: Yeah, in is fact, there?
1: In fact, that she wrote, well, certainly, and there's certainly a couple of autobiographical novels, I would recommend Muriel Spark. He writes in a way no-one else writes. He's crisp, he's clear, he's honest, and he's sometimes quite shocking. Anyway, that's my book, Muriel Spark, The Driver's Seat. That sounds great. I'm Keep on going. a roll. You are on a roll. Keep going. I, believe it or not, among this is everything your segment.
0: else. This is your segment. Caroline Wilson presents BSF.
1: Among everything else, Corrie, I've been to the movies. Oh. <laughs> how does she do I, it? You
0: know, I just I, I was I was prepared to come forward with a new screen, which I'll hold till next week. And when you texted me the other night and said you just got back from the movies, I thought, well, how do you do that? How do you do that?
1: You know, the thing about the movies is you just Especially go. Especially when there's
0: footy game on, the Hawks. That was a great game and you missed it.
1: No, I didn't actually. Oh, didn't that was um, the day before, I think. I just, oh. I got oh, home. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, no. What day did you go to the movies? Did Monday.
1: The, oh, no. Did the Hawks play on Sunday? They Sunday, did too, yeah, Apologies. Yeah. No, it was after the Hawks game. I wandered down late in the afternoon. I, I did I'm miss some of the St Kilda Collingwood game um, with my daughter Clementine, and we met our friends Mary and Johnny at the Como, where it's such an easy cinema to go to, whether you're driving or walking, and we saw a fabulous French film called L'Innocent, or The Innocent, innocent. Um this is, as my friend Mary, our friend Mary said, only the French could get away with this film. It's romantic, it's a drama, it's a comedy and it's a heist film.
0: Oh, can I say three words to you?
1: What? Maestro in blue. Oh, oh yeah, well, yes. <laughs> That's it, got, that has the full package. It does, it does. This is just, this, at the beginning you're going, what is this about? Um the, the main One of the main characters, played by Anouk Grinberg, she's brilliant. She plays the mother and she marries... She's obviously a very... She's got a chequered past and um, she's obviously been married several times. She's an actress and she teaches drama in a prison and she marries a, a convict and then he gets out of jail and they set up a florist. It's set in Leon. It's a, a town well known to you. Lovely. And um, the story is as much about... Um, the mother, as it, is, as it is about her son, who is um, well-acted, although not as well-acted as... The son is called Abel. He's a widower. He's still grieving the loss of his wife. And he's a marine biologist who works at the local aquarium. And his best friend, Clemence, played by... I don't, I'm not going to pronounce this right, but Naomi Merlon. And she is brilliant. She's also a marine biologist and the best friend of the dead wife. Basically, Abel suspects the mother's new husband of still being in crime and tails him in some very, very funny scenes, including one when they put the dog's th- the dogs tag into his um, leather jacket because he finds a gun in the leather jacket at the f- launch of the florist shop. I mean, this is a crazy film. There, it ends up being a heist of a very, very different... I-, I won't tell you what they try and do, but the way it plays out is sort of... Is when you shocking. say they,
0: do you mean the mother and the new husband or not you're not go- going to tell I'm not anything. going to say. Okay. Some
1: are involved and some aren't. Okay. And it is just a very, very good film. It's part of the French Film Festival but it it looks like it's going to last a bit longer and um, we thoroughly enjoyed it. It was in a pretty crowded cinema and The Innocent or apostrophe Innocent L'Innocent, L'Innocent, I don't know how you pronounce no, it. No. In, in Italian, it
0: would be Linochante, I think, yes, wouldn't it? Yeah, except, Lino-son,
1: Lino-son. except it's French and it's a really, really good film. It's got See, everything. We're very, we're
0: very multilingual here at don't, don't Shoot the Messenger. We've got
1: terrible, I've got a terrible <laughs> French accent. <laughs>
0: and I have a terrible Adelaidean accent. Um, that is uh, Linochante and it is part of the... F- French film festival, and you can see it at the Como Cinema. Although we're not sure for how long, but um, it's on at a few cinemas, and it's look, it's just great. It'll look probably it up. pop up at S- in SBS on demand at some point. It's I'm fabulous. Sure. Okay, so here is the recipe, finally, because it's done the rounds. It's been, it was handed to you, you forgot to
1: bring it in. I left it in the car.
0: Trudy's now um, text me with the photo of the it written out. This is Trudy's pavlova. I don't know what else to call it really, really, but that's what it is. And on Saturday night. We had, um, I'm up for nursery tea at the moment because i um, early to bed and all of that. And so Trudy and Renee had a couple of us around on Saturday night and we had the most delicious dinner, which culminated Caro, pity you and Bren weren't there because you would have loved it, in Trudy's
1: pavlova. And... She's a great cook, isn't she's she? She's a terrific she makes cook. Fabulous desserts. Oh
0: yeah, and good and good um, jams and things like that. She's always good for a chutney or a jam truths, But um, <laughs> she's hunting and gathering all the time with her produce. But um, look, I love making a pavlova because it is easy, and they vary. The best recipe that I have ever found is in a, an old um, DK. A Penguin DK cookbook, which comes out of England, and and it's supposed to be our national treasure, the pavlova. I could never do the Margaret Fulton one; it always mine always seemed to sag. But this one of Trudy's was absolutely delicious. Eight egg whites, sixteen ounces. Trudes, We've got to get with the metrics. Sixteen ounces of caster sugar, one teaspoon of brown vinegar. Beat the egg whites and egg whites until they form stiff peaks. Probably about four minutes. Trudy says. Slowly add the sugar. Um, And until it's white and silky. Beat for approximately 10 minutes. At the last minute, add vinegar and combine. Bake on foil, cover tray in a... What? Bake on foil. Cover cover the tray. Cover the tray. There's no hyphen there. I'm (laughs) sorry. There's no hyphen. Bake on a foil, hyphen, covered tray in a slow oven, 160 degrees for an hour. Uh, Test with a skewer. And then top it with whipped cream and your fruit, nuts, curd or chocolate or whatever it is of your choice. And
1: that is it. And it was delicious. It was sticky. You know how that gets that like sticks to your teeth almost? You want the chewy. But the, the trick is the oven. See, some people say 120, some say 140. Our friend Anne Williams, she says just after you've cooked a roast dinner in a hot oven, just chuck your pav in and turn the oven off. Well, you could do that. I mean, there, there's so many theories, but d- that's the hard bit. Well, making, uh, the, making the the meringue mix is not yeah, hard. And there are other people
0: it. who say you shouldn't beat too much with your meringue mix, all this sort of thing. But can I tell you, this was tried and tested, and it was tested on us, and I really gave it the thumbs up. And I'm a bit of a – because it used to be one of mum's specialties, I'm a bit of a PAV expert, I would say. So I love this recipe. What topping did she do? Uh, strawberries. We had strawberries. That was delicious. Um so that's BSF for another week, Book, screen and food. And thank you, Red Energy, powered by the Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. And isn't it time, Caro, that you called Red Energy on 131806? I think you did call Red Energy a few years ago, but I like saying that. You're now, grumpy,
1: Corrie. I am grumpy
0: and I'm grumpy. This ha- I'm actually not grumpy for myself. I'm grumpy on behalf of, wait for it, Jetstar Travellers. Okay. Oh. Now, Jackie Felgate...
1: I'm right with you.
0: Jackie Felgate has an amazing Instagram account. A lot of people know about this. It started it. She really gave it a red hot go during um, COVID. Um, first of all, telling people where they could um, buy testing. Do you remember when we couldn't find a test anywhere for love nor money for COVID? Jackie went on the Instagram account and people started feeding in, oh, the chemist in Boronia has one or the chemist the warehouse down in Richmond or whatever it might be. Her Instagram account is now huge and a lot of it is dedicated to social service. So Jackie Felgate, J-A-C-Q-U-I-F-E-L-G-A-T-E, not only a wonderful woman, um, love Jackie and she's a great media performer, but she also has this public service through her Instagram account and she has been following the Jetstar Phuket Um, scenario, which occurred over um, Easter, or maybe, no, this past weekend, I think. And this is her latest Phuket update. Caro, how does this sound to you? Like, this is just the holiday from hell. Hi, Jackie, says the person who's written in. Another Jetstar horror story. We have been stuck in Phuket since Friday night. This was posted Monday. Uh, We boarded the plane at 11pm on Friday to be taking off an hour later. We were told the airport had closed and we were not granted permission to fly. What? What? Can you believe? (laughs) Did no one check? They had taken our water, they being the airline, I guess. We were not offered any for three hours. It was chaos. Three hours later, we finally got to hotels. Many travelling had babies and children. We have been in the hotel. We've had since had five delays. The latest one came as we were boarding buses to the airport for a a 7am flight. Now we are told estimated departure time is 1pm. There has been no communication from Jetstar to what is going on. It is becoming quite scary, especially for those of us with young children. Now, how many horror stories have we heard about Jetstar over the
1: years? Well, we had our own Jetstar experience um, after, in a recent holiday to Mission Beach, didn't we?
0: We did indeed. And I know that Jetstar offers a terrific uh, package in terms of its ticket sales and ticket prices, and I get all that but particularly with families with young children or old folk who are travelling, or even just the rest of us, it is a pain in the neck to be told frequently that you, so frequently that your flight's been cancelled. And, and now they're stranded in Phuket for four days. I mean, this is impossible for these people. Well,
1: but- remember my brother and sister, they said, oh, no, your flight's been cancelled from Cairns, but we've got you on one that will take you back to Sydney via Adelaide the next morning, and it will take... Uh, 10 hours as mm. a round trip. Mm. No, 11 hours. But you can get on the Qantas flight that, funnily enough, is leaving the same time as your cancelled Jetstar flight for $1,000. you have $1, to pay dollars the
0: money each. Exactly.
1: I mean, this is a disgraceful airline. It
0: is, a, it, it is, it I've, is appalling. I've, I've said
1: never again. It is appalling. Never again.
0: But but there's something sort of vaguely alluring about Jackie Felgate's Instagram account and this Phuket issue, Because and I mean, I am drawn to it. So um, get your act together, Jetstar. We've mentioned you enough times now, so hopefully you'll appear in a Google search somewhere under Don't Shoot the Messenger,
1: and you'll have a listen to Caro and I. Um, You're a dreadful airline. <laughs> Caro, six quick questions. Red Energy, and I'll kick off, Corrie, with uh, which new draconian law filled your heart with sadness last week?
0: Oh, my goodness. So, Carol, you know that um, there is a law in, in Iran which prosecutes people, not only women, um, from uh, remo- removing their their headscarf or their hijab, but also now there are Iranian authorities have brought in laws to prosecute people who encourage women to remove their headscarves. What's happened in Iran in recent days is that cameras have been installed in public places and on highways to catch violators of the country's strict dress code. So that means that even in a car, a woman can't take her hijab off if she wanted to. Now, I just find it so unbelievably staggering. (laughs) The resistance against all of this, it really did erupt, I suppose, last year when um, Marsa Amini, the 22-year-old Kurdish woman, do you remember? She was killed in police custody because she wasn't wearing her hijab and there was outrage indeed around the world, but certainly in Iran, with many women burning their hijabs in protest. It is just such an extraordinary ruling that women, they're subject to arbitrary arrests, detentions. Um, they're denied access to pu- any public institutions, including hospitals and schools, or airports, if they don't cover their hair. It is just such a violation of human rights. But that latest one, putting cameras everywhere to catch people, just I thought that was pretty, pretty extraordinary. Speaking of extraordinary, Caro, do you feel sorry for Lydia Thorpe?
1: Look, I don't actually. Um, Would you like to fill potties in on what happened at the nightclub the other night? Well, well, Lydia Thorpe, of course, is um, a federal senator now. She was a state politician, was um, involved with the Greens and then moved moved to federal politics in the Senate with the Greens after um, losing her, I think it was Northcote? Anyway, lost her state seat. Um, Now is estranged from the Greens, has clearly come from... Look, clearly there have been troubles in Lydia Thorpe's life, but honestly, there are just certain places you don't go. And early, early hours of the morning at a lo- local nightclub with a group of girls having a big night out is just probably not a great idea if you're a federal senator. And um, the vision people are going to take vision, and they're going to give it to the newspapers and the TV stations. And it just, it was just a horrible look. I thought, really, mm. really. Was it your husband
0: Brendan who years ago said? Try not to go out after midnight or something. There's something he said about just beware of. Oh,
1: Eddie Maguire actually said to me once, to uh, to his footballers, nothing good ever happens after 2 a.m. Yeah. And I think (laughs) it looked like this was pretty... Well, it, it could be good if
0: you're on the dance floor and... They're playing 80s songs. But yeah,
1: I get what you mean. Yeah. I really want things to work for Lydia Thorpe, but it's just not working at the moment. And um, it was the, the vision was not great. Corrie, which uh, new discovery, in fact, filled your heart with joy last week? Oh, Caro, this was, I was so excited about this. They have found a nearly
0: complete skull of a 95 million-year-old sauropod dinosaur found in Western Australia, and it... I'll show you. Oh, sorry, Why did bodies? it fill your you. heart with joy? I'm going to tell you in a second. So that's, look at that. I'm showing you the bones they found. They can now actually work out the size of the head and the shape of the jaw. It's extraordinary. Uh, well, I do Is it love, big? Yes, we think so. Um, because there have been other findings of this particular sauropod dinosaur in uh, South America. So um, this was found in Western Australia and also part of the foot was found as well. And it is—it is actually the um, researchers believe it belongs to the species Diamanti—I'm going to have to pronounce this Diamantinosaurus Matilde, which I think might have a nod to Australia there. Known for having small heads, long necks, and tails, barrel-like bodies, and four um, column-like legs. And I'm going to show you a photo. But you know what the researchers have called? Oh, it's cute. It's <laughs> a family pet. <laughs> <laughs> Flintstones, meet the Flintstones. Um, So, yes, it does look a bit like Dino. Um, But, Caro, what is so lovely about this story too, which really tickled my fancy, as you can imagine, because these things do set me off, they have referred to this 95-million-year-old sauropod dinosaur. They've called her Anne.
1: Oh, cute. I thought you were going to say they called her Matilda, but that's part of the species. (laughs) Anne, Anne with an E.
0: No, like me, (laughs) Corrie-Ann, no E. What I love about this is that somebody there is probably about our age because you and I have talked about this ad nauseum on the podcast, how our lives were surrounded by Robin, Anne, Jane, you know, those names. (laughs) Anne is now at the dinosaur. Um, Anyway, it is such an interesting story and – and the the Stephen, Dr. Stephen Poropat Pop, Pop, from the uh, from Curtin University said that what's extraordinary about this find is that they, it is very similar, and skull is very similar to a titanosaur that was found in South America. And what this suggests, of course, is that they travelled at some point. This particular species to warmer conditions far south that might have been more favourable for them, because of course we know. Um, they were victims of the Great Freeze or climate change. So um, that I
1: just loved that story so, so much. I completely missed it. I'm glad you've told me and about it. And you've had it. a
0: little photo and Anne is now
1: in yeah, our history Much books. prettier than those ones in Jurassic Park. <laughs> Isn't she? <laughs> she, I guess.
0: <laughs> well, they've called her Anne. I don't think they've found her um, genitalia, so they can't work out whether she's an Anne or an Andrew. But who cares in this world? Who cares if you're boy or girl? It doesn't matter. Caro, who is the hottest female name in Australian TV drama at the moment?
1: Leah Purcell. Oh, yeah. She's, um, I mean... Th- this she's also a writer. Also a writer and and a director and a producer. In fact, Leah Purcell's new project, and it was the last work, I think, commissioned by... Brian Walsh, who had a big funeral in Sydney a week or so ago, known it was sort of revered, I guess, as the father of Foxtel in Australia. So this drama looks brilliant. It's an eight- part series called The High Country, or High Country. Leah Purcell, I think, is the executive producer. He might even be involved in directing. He stars in it. It's called High Country, it's filmed, it's going to be filmed around Jamison and Mansfield. It looks absolutely brilliant. It also stars um, oh, that actor who Aaron Pedersen, who's a who's a terrific actor, and it's also got the male guy. The guy he's from he's a British actor, and he plays the grandfather in Dairy Girls. He's, oh, he's hysterical. Anyway, it, it, it looks, sounds great.
0: Did you ever see the Drovers' wife that she was in?
1: No, I They're didn't. Really but, good. But she also wrote he he wrote the novel, and then he took the Henry Lawson poem and also created a play, a script, uh, a theatre production. Multi, she's multi-talented. Yeah, and and she's written he's written a few books, but she was also in some of the best Australian films ever made. I mean, she was in Ginderbine. She was in. La- she was the cop Lanta- in Lantana. Lantana. yeah, that's yeah. right. And and she's just. she's a terrific actor, yeah. but she's managed to get this project off the ground. Commissioned, as I say, by Brian Walsh. Great cast. She plays the cop who moves into town. You know that classic sort of story with a past, and I think there's been five or six disappearances. Great. around the Mansfield-Jamison area. High country. I cannot wait for well, this I to come if, out. If,
0: if, any, if anybody's ever been to the Kevington pub, it's very easy to get lost
1: in the corridors of that place. Yeah, probably probably won't be going back to the Kevington pub. Corrie, British uh, fashion designer Mary Quant died last week. Remember her exhibition we went to? In London. At, at, um, mm. Was that at the... Um, Victoria and Albert Museum. Yeah, it was a brilliant exhibition. She was 93. Name three ways she changed the fashion industry. Oh,
0: look, there are a million ways, actually. Um, but um, It's quick
1: questions, Corrie. Yeah, you have I know. Three?
0: I know I have three. So um, just to give everybody a time frame, she opened her first London boutique in 1955. And by the early 60s, she, was, she and her late husband, Alexander Plunkett Green, were celebrities. One, Caro, one She encouraged women to reject their parents' perceptions of how women should dress, which is all part of the revolution in the 60s. Two, she created a whole new workwear for women, a new glamour, a new individuality. Prior to that, of course, in the 50s, women going to work, if they did have a job in an office, were pretty sensible with um, a tweed skirt and perhaps a little cardigan. Um, Mary came along and had them in mini skirts, tights, high shoes, trench coats, really fantastic. The third thing I would say is that she was one of the first to um, create fashion as a brand. So she understood branding that flower of hers, which was originally black and white, but then took on a multitude of different colours is such a, it's like it's ingrained in my visual memory. Um, Her makeup collection she decided that women needed a younger, fresher look to go with these amazing new clothes. And so she created Mary Quant products. And I think, again, you and I have talked about how we had her lipsticks and her different things, her mascaras when we were growing up. So I just think she was a rock star. The fourth thing, and I'm not allowed to say four, but she actually did introduce men's dressing for women, And of course, gender fluid clothing now is such a big thing in the fashion industry. But she was really ahead of her time. She was going into Harrods Carrow to buy men's sweaters, oversized sweaters, and reconfiguring them for women. So all of the kind of the vests that we're seeing this winter, the loose baggy pants that we're seeing this winter, you can thank Mary Quant for that.
1: I still remember the lime green eyeshadow, Mary Quant. Oh, she was Wild. Remember her makeup, how cool it was to have when you were about 14? Well,
0: it's funny you say green, Carol, because I remember when I was about, I don't know, maybe 12 or something, I had mum and dad came back from London and I, they gave me, they went to the Bieber shop in London and they bought back Mary Quant purple, oh, look, I've got it on now, purple, um, like, Hot it's purple. lasted a
1: long time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just looking, at my nails going. Then mauve, um, hot purple nail polish, and of course now, of course, we're all painting our nails navy blue, green, all different colours, and again ahead of her time. Valet Mary Quant.
1: Um, no, I did I actually missed her death too, so thank you for reading. Can I also tell me. you there's
0: a, she wrote a fantastic memoir a few years ago. It was published maybe in about 2018, Mary Quant the Memoir. It's it's a wonderful read. It's such a perfect slice of life post-war
1: London and the whole kind of Carnaby Street thing. Cara, you have a fact. I want to talk about Nikki Winmar Cory and um the incident that happened. Back in 1993 at Victoria Park, uh, then Collingwood home ground, you and I were working at the Sunday Age and um, there was a Collingwood St Kilda game at Collingwood that day and it was on a Saturday and Wayne Ludby, who worked with us at the Sunday Age, came back to the Sunday Age and there had been Look, there, there, it had been a horrible day. Um, Collingwood supporters were racially abusing Nicky Winmar and Gilbert McAdam, his St Kilda teammate. It was pretty disgusting. Collingwood, many, we have to say, Winmar was a crackerjack footballer, a beautiful, fast, player. wonderful. Yep. Colling- uh, St Kilda ended up winning the game, and at the end of the game, Nicky Winmar lifted up his jumper. Basically. Um, and pointed at his skin. Wayne Ludby heard Nikki Winmar say, "I'm um, something along the lines of I'm black and proud of it." And um, the Sunday Age had the story. The opposition missed it because they hadn't heard it. Um, bizarrely, later and later, many years later, people tried to dispute that this had happened, but it, it did happen. And I, rem- I remember being in the office that night, coming back from the footy myself, when that was in the days when there was more than one game, of course, on a Saturday afternoon, and they're all at the same time. This was an extraordinary story. Um, if you go to the age today, that photograph is part of, a, of an entire backdrop. Um, it has become a, an, an iconic photograph. It became the subject of a major international documentary. Nikki Winmar has several times said afterwards that he, he struggled with the burden of being that person who took that stand. Um but what happened afterwards was that he, he, he didn't cope at all and it was a horrible afternoon for him. He disappeared for three or four weeks. St Kilda was disappointed in him, some of his teammates in particular, because they were headed towards the finals at that time and their season sort of fell apart after that. And no one really understood what he was going through. So in Adelaide on Sunday, the Collingwood Football Club finally apologised to Nikki Winmar. And Gilbert McAdam, and they also apologised to all Indigenous Australians for comments made by the Collingwood president of that time, Alan McAllister, who famously said, "As long as they conduct themselves like white people off the ground, then you know we're fine with them." It was a, a shameful time in footy, and you know you fast forward to what happened to Adam Goods, and you and know another Collingwood president
0: said something inappropriate.
1: Yep, funnily enough, and and he and he um, not funny at all. He went away from the game after being shamefully booed and the booing got out of control one horrible day at um, Subiaco, I think it was, in in, um, Western Australia, but um, at West Coast Eagles fans. But um, when he went away and couldn't cope with playing for a week, everyone supported him. But, you know, there was disappointment with Nicky at the time. Clearly a lot's changed, you know, but we've still got this racial inquiry, alleged racist... Incidents that happened at the Hawthorne Football Club and you saw Alistair Clarkson embrace Chris Fagan. They're the two men accused of some alleged racism. They both vehemently deny it or being involved in conversations that shouldn't have happened. They deny these conversations happened. Um, they're embracing in another part of Adelaide the day before um, because and, and they're both obviously really struggling with not being able to defend themselves at the moment. But it's just a really interesting time for football. But the Nicky Winmar incident... He seems to have lost his voice for a long time, struggled for a long time, and now he's back with a vengeance. I mean, even today as we're sitting here, he's called for the game to ban any spectator who makes a racist comment, whether it be on social media or at the game. He's urged the AFL to maybe get rid of some of the gambling ads around the grounds and put instead anti-racist messages um, at grounds, which would be a wonderful initiative. So he's
0: become a powerful advocate. And he's having a he- there's a healing ceremony, I think, that he's having yes. on the weekend.
1: Yeah. Yes, it is just, you know, it's just funny. I think back to that night, and we knew at the time it was, it was a big, a big story mm. that Wayne Ludby had cottoned on to, but who would have thought that even now? And only a few weeks ago, Jamari Yugel Hagen from the Western Bulldogs, who'd been racially vilified the week before, um, I think it was at the end of a game against Brisbane, held up his jumper to... Em- emulate what Nikki had done. There's a famous statue, a lot of arguing about where the statue should be. It's in Western Australia, where Nikki comes from, in Perth, outside the new stadium. And, look, it's just an extraordinary story. And,
0: Carol, I wondered a couple of years ago when there was this doubt emerged, these other uh, narratives surrounding that, whether, in fact, Wayne had heard what he'd heard and whether that was the whole reason and had Nicky said that. I wonder what that dredged up for not only Nikki but for Wayne as well.
1: Oh, that you know they Wayne was devastated, and it's so was Hickey, and so were many Indigenous Australians from um, Adam Goods down, really, and um, it was quickly it was, shut it down. Was, yeah, it
0: was such a terrible and immediate pile on, though, wasn't it? And it's a bit like the people who say, "I'm not racist," but. And then everybody started piling on saying, oh, that didn't really happen.
1: It was bizarre. A imp- very, very important moment for Australian sport. Yeah.
0: No, and I, I, Australian I'm, life, I'm, lo- really. I'm loving the fact. That was a really good fact. Thank you. And, um, and Pleasure, we'll, be, Corey. we'll be watching that moment on the weekend um, with great interest. And, of course, the Sorrento Writers Festival, we have half a dozen, if not more, um, particular sessions relating to First Nations and their extraordinary contribution to not only literature, but um, our community and our politics. So make sure you have a look at SorrentoWritersFestival.com.au and don't forget, of course, we have our live show next Wednesday, April the 26th at the Sorrento RSL, and details are on our show notes. Thank you, Miss Jane. Lovely to have you back from your little break. And thank you, Carol, and what do we say? Don't shoot the
1: messenger. Thanks for listening to this episode of Don't Shoot the Messenger. And
0: if you'd like to support the podcast, tell a friend about the show. Perhaps they haven't discovered it yet. You can send us an email to feedback at dontshootpod.com.au. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook using the handle at dontshootpod and sign up for our weekly email. We'll send you the show notes straight to your inbox. And of course, thanks to our show sponsors, Red Energy and Prince Wine Store.